There's no such thing as guilty pleasures, only pleasures. And I think Van Helsing Prep is a real pleasure. You've seen it? Yes, in your character, it's reminiscent of Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Thank you. And welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist, (laughs) Ken Holtzhauser. And today we're going to go through some of the back alleys of pop culture and find pleasure in some of the strangest of places. So please, join us on this journey. Let's go! Hello and welcome to No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and today we're going to talk about high adventure and missed opportunities. This is a movie that features a, at that time, still famous pulp fiction hero who has all but completely vanished from the national consciousness. Today, we're talking about Doc Savage, Man of Bronze. When slithering horror threatens, when assassins narrow their sights, when terrorists strike, when killers fill the sky, when the green wigglies are coming to get you. When you're all doomed to die a horrible death. We're all doomed to die a horrible death. When you're in that kind of trouble, who do you call on? Doc Savage! Doc Savage! Doc Savage! Doc Savage! Have no fear. Doc Savage is here. Well, now, you handle the documents. Yes. Is there anything you can remember about them? Anything that might help me find that land which was given to my father? It is very strange, senor. The deed was signed by the chief of the Quetzimal tribe. But there is no Quetzimal tribe. Can you believe this? Yes. Yes, I think I can. My father got there. Somehow I must get there too. But it may take days to get there. You've brought us this far, Mona, and I thank you. I love you. Mona, you're a brick. (laughs) Champagne? No, thank you. Uh, Perhaps something a bit more potent. uh, I'll have a Coke, please. He's noble and strong. He's got a brain, a super brain that will not rest. He'll right every wrong. Let us all try and help to soothe the savage breast. Here it is. The edge of the world. Below, in the valley of the vanish, live the Quetzalmoz. There is no way down. It's time to proceed. Stay in your seat and hope you'll beat this evil boat. 
That's a fairly cheesy little trailer, isn't it? Doc Savage, The Man of Bronze, is a 1975 movie directed by Michael Anderson. It's based on the, uh, the famous Lester Dent Pulp Fiction character, Doc Savage. I encountered Doc Savage as a youngster, um, mostly thanks to used bookstores, secondhand shops, things like that, and there was always something, I, I loved the logo that was, I guess, in the reprint books at the time, was very uh, was very comic booky the Doc Savage logo. So those books leapt out off the shelves at me. Doc Savage was, um, well, he was a precursor to Superman. Doc Savage was a mental and physical giant. He was peak of human perfection. He lived in a fortress of solitude in the Arctic until he was called upon to save the world. I guess his father and a cabal of scientists were raising him to be the greatest human experiment in our time. Doc Savage also has uh, his quote-unquote famous five, which are a group of um, companions, sidekicks, let's go with sidekicks, a group of sidekicks that are all top professionals in their field but all worked with Doc Savage in World War One, and would do anything the Doc asked him in a moment's notice. Uh, Long Tom, Rennie, Monk, Johnny, and Ham, they're all experts, whether they're uh, lawyers or mechanics or just uh, two-fisted action heroes. Um, for whatever reason, despite the fact that Doc Savage is uh, an obvious mental and physical specimen... He can't be everywhere at once, so he's always calling on his famous five to help him with cases and, and kind of split them up and have them cover different aspects of the um, of the story, kind of get involved with other things, maybe get in trouble so Doc Savage can save them. We've all seen this kind of thing before. As I say, Doc Savage was a Pulp Fiction hero, so he uh, he comes before the comic book, not necessarily before the comic strip, though. And he was a larger-than-life action hero in the sort of pulp milieu that gave us the Shadow or the Green Hornet or the Bat or whomever. And there have been comic book adaptations of Doc Savage, but none of them have really um, none of them have really caught on. Certainly, after this 1975 movie that we're about to discuss, Marvel Comics decided to jump in and do a Doc Savage uh, comic magazine that, uh, I guess, didn't really catch on the way they wanted it to. Let's move forward in this and talk about the film. While the character is a famous uh, like paperback novel slash Pulp Fiction character, uh, he doesn't have the notoriety of a Superman because, well, because he's not wearing bright blue and red tights. It's kind of, it's kind of hard not to be incredibly visual when you are dressed like that. But uh, Doc Savage, as an action hero, was one that uh, a variety of people have discussed the possibility of doing an adaptation for, including uh, Mark Goodman and Bill Todman, who were very interested in a Doc Savage movie that Chuck Connors was going to star in. But ultimately, the rights to the Doc Savage character through his widow were given to George Pal, the famous producer of, say, The Time Machine and stuff like that. And he was going to make a sort of family-friendly adventure movie featuring 
Doc Savage. In fact, I think that depending on who you talk to, the plan was that they were either going to do a series of pulp uh, movies or they were going to do a series of Doc Savage movies. Um, uh, the, the film ends with the tease of there being another Doc Savage movie, but that's not at all going to happen. Instead of Chuck Connors, the movie stars former Tarzan Ron Ely. And Ely at six, four and a half is a pretty imposing specimen. He, he looks, he looks the part. He, uh, he swaggers about, uh, very, very calmly. And, uh, right away, we're going to go to the heart of why this movie, um, while it is appealing, doesn't quite catch on. And I think it's down to a misguided idea and nobody wants to say whose idea it was, but I suspect it was George Powell's idea, but a misguided idea to make this film campy. I think, especially it's 1975, so the long shadow of Batman is still hanging over all of these kinds of characters. It's going to be at least another couple of years before you see a real um, earnest version of a comic book hero in 1978's Superman the Movie. So here, we're still playing by the old playbook of making it campy. Um... Unfortunately, the movie really, really leans heavily into the camp. Um, it leads heavily into the uh, Doc Savage is impossibly good and impossibly virtuous, and you get that little like star ting in his eye whenever he turns to camera. And um, yeah, it's it's disappointing because while the movie itself is a pretty decent adaptation of the Doc Savage world and is entertaining enough that I would have loved to have seen a follow-up, you can see in watching it that they almost had something real on their hands. This is um, 1975, so we're about six years away from Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is itself not a million miles away from Doc Savage. The globetrotting adventure of Doc Savage and his famous five could easily had it been done with this same level of um, of high adventure and verisimilitude been an exciting runaway hit movie. And it still could have been family friendly in the way that Raiders of the Lost Ark was. But instead, the fact that they're winking so hard at the camera during the whole thing renders um, the renders the adventure slightly muted. Everything is everything is at a distance because it's camp, because you know that it's just a performance that they're putting on. They're they're putting you on, isn't this silly, isn't this corny? And in fact, what they had was they had an IP that could have, if it had been treated with the same care that Steven Spielberg treated Indiana Jones, this would have been Raiders of the Lost Ark six years earlier. It's got uh, lost tribes and globe trotting and and action set pieces, car chases, plane battles, um, all kinds of good stuff that easily would have fit into that same globe trotting Indiana Jones spirit. But it's just it's just not there because their their tongue is so firmly in their cheek you can't understand what they're saying. I do like the movie though. I really like Ron Ely's performance. Ronnie Lee's Tarzan, he was a television Tarzan, so he had a television series that I watched intermittently as a kid. And um, 
A side note, um, it's interesting that when I was a kid, Tarzan was still a major character. There were Tarzan comic books, Tarzan toys, Tarzan cartoons, an old Tarzan TV series to watch, and this is a character that is all but completely fading away from the consciousness. And I don't know if it's because it's, um, it's culturally insensitive in the 21st century or whether this was the sort of um, a world that uh, a modern cell phone-loving audience couldn't get behind. That's another thought. Ron Ely was a very good Tarzan, and here he is actually, he's a pretty good Doc Savage. Basically, all he needs to be in the role is huge and blonde and imposing, and he can do all of that stuff pretty easily. He's he's very athletic, he's funny, he, um, he can do the camp. He does, he plays the movie just absolutely straight down the barrel serious, so he's taking the camp properly. It's just, that's not the direction this movie should have gone in. It's a, it's a lost opportunity because this could have been an exciting way to introduce audiences to this character that had lasted for so long and in some circles still has some, uh, some value. I saw a couple of years ago that Dwayne Johnson had expressed an interest in a Doc Savage movie and um, he'd be a pretty good Doc Savage himself. Certainly more of a man, a more of a man of bronze than uh, Ron Ely. That's for certain. But uh, that's horses for courses. I, I think that the movie is a lot of fun. Warner Archive has the film. Uh, it's not technically commercially available on DVD anywhere, but through Warner Archive. So you can see it on their streaming service, or you can probably see it here and there in other sites. I'm sure YouTube has uh, an abundance of clips of the film. Uh, it's worth looking at. There's some actors who are about to become more famous, more of a, oh, I know that guy, or hey, that guy is from The Breakfast Club, or hey, who's that guy? And uh, the the actress, the one that, <laughs> that Doc Savage refers to as a brick earlier in the video clip was uh, Barbara Carrera making uh, an early screen appearance. And it's... <sighs> I'm stumbling over this, I know, and it's because I like the Doc Savage character, and I like this world, and I think it does a pretty good job of of uh, giving you this world. I just wish it was a little bit more serious and a little less winking, but hey, it's still pretty enjoyable, and that's what the bottom line is here, right? So seek it out, Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze from 1975. If nothing else, it'll give you a little bit of a primer before... Dwayne Johnson comes in and goes all hyperbolic on it. And we'll see you next time on No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and the Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and the Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.